0: We are back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner here recapping week 14. I would say easily the ugliest performance of the season for the Colts. 34-14 to 14 losers in the Queen City. A long bus ride home for the Colts as they now 7-6 and six on the year. And boy, just with one loss, Eddie Garrison, all of a sudden margin for error just really, really shrinks up. And basically, you're now at a point, I think, in the playoff picture where you're still in control. But one more loss, particularly a loss on Saturday against Pittsburgh, and you start praying the rosary beads for help here down the stretch. I'm Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison. Both of us actually were in the building yesterday down in Cincinnati. Uh, We're coming at you here on this Monday morning. Obviously, we'll get into what I didn't like. And, Eddie, I don't know if there's anything that I liked. Uh, First off, your experience inside of Paycor Stadium. I thought a
1: good amount of Colts fans in the building. Oh, yeah. It was, um, I think— it was pretty much sold out. If not, it was relatively close, and I thought there was a good amount of Colts fans. Like, yeah. uh, I was surrounded. I was on the Colts side of the field, so we, I was around a lot of blue, and uh-huh. I was around some orange and black. And those fans that were in the orange and black were like, "Wow, this is a lot of Colts fans out here." I'm like, "Well, in my mind, I'm like, what would you expect? I mean, it's less than a ninety minute drive from Indianapolis. Like, do you expect the Colts fans not to show up?" But
0: yeah, that was probably my. Th- third, maybe fourth regular season game in Cincinnati for the Colts, and it seems to be a pretty consistent contingent you know, year in and year out, but boy, outside of, what, two minutes, three minutes there, late second quarter, there was nothing to cheer about whatsoever. I thought Cincinnati completely controlled the game, and, and again, Eddie, I thought the worst performance of the year, and I guess two reasons stand out to me, one, every single unit deserves blame every single unit. Offensively, you didn't control the trenches against a bad run defense, bad pass defense. You couldn't establish Zach Moss. Defensively, no semblance of a pass rush. The biggest thing Cincinnati showed on film Monday, the ability to hit screens, you didn't stop that. Every, I think, level of your defense had some issues. And then special teams... Um, I mean, your most reliable player all year. Obviously, a disastrous afternoon for Matt Gay and missing two kicks inside of 40. Uh, just an inexcusable penalty on Taven Bryan. I mean, that, that that field goal is less than 40 yards, and you're getting a leverage penalty. And you aren't blocking that. Uh, and then, obviously, what probably put the uh, icing on the cake was uh, a mere speed running into Isaiah McKenzie there, which pretty much sealed any potential comeback attempt. So, you know, you look at the other losses, Eddie, and. You know, the first Jacksonville game, you're leading midway through the fourth. The Rams game, you've got, you know, a big comeback by Anthony Richardson. You know, the Saints game, you get off to a good start. The Browns game back and forth. I guess the second Jacksonville game, you could point to that. But again, a healthy Trevor Lawrence, a healthy Christian Kirk at Jacksonville, that's different than, I think, facing Cincinnati with their backup QB. So uh, to me, this was the one true kind of three phase disappearing act this team has had all season.
1: Yeah, that's what I felt like watching it yesterday, too. But let's dive into first what you did not like, the trench play. I thought the offensive line, in terms of blocking, they were okay. Minchie was under duress a little bit there in the first half. But I thought the second half of the offensive line did well, other than all the penalties they committed.
0: Yeah, I just have a higher standard for their trench unit, particularly when you're facing a Cincinnati team that I think is not known for that. You know, When you think of Cincinnati, it's a little bit more finesse than it is kind of bully ball. Uh, They've really struggled this season, Cincinnati, on both sides of the ball, uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, I I think it's a big reason why they've kind of been held back so far. They actually take away the football at a pretty high level. We know the skill talent that they have. But, yeah, I I just thought, in particular, um, your trench play. And, you know, Eddie, there's four elements to your trench play. You running it, you stopping the run, you protecting your quarterback, getting after their quarterback. You look at all four of them. And you failed, in my opinion, in, in all of them. Zach Moss, 2.2 yards per carry. If you look at Moss's numbers, Eddie, 13 carries. Nine of the 13 went for two yards or less. Six of the 13 went for zero or negative yards. Think about that. Half of Zach Moss's carries going for a stuff or negative yards. So right there, you're behind the chains when you're trying to establish Moss. Um, your pass protection wise, I thought you know Cincinnati did enough to get after Minshew, and then on the flip side of it, um, you know I thought Mixon and Chase Brown had a nice day on the ground. I mean nothing extreme, but better than what they've been. And then ultimately, your pass rush was just library quiet, just library quiet all game long. Think about December, outdoor, cold. It's about trenches. You know, Ballard has stressed it at, at, at every, you know, press conference and certainly from an investment standpoint, he's made it. And you know, outside of Braden Smith, you know, you were pretty healthy on both sides of the ball. Obviously the return of Grover Stewart there as well. So um yeah, I, I, I go there for maybe my biggest disappointment because I hold that group to a higher higher standard than I hold Gardner Minshew or you know the Colts young you know cornerback room you know areas like
1: that i go back to one of the first drives where they scored a touchdown for cincinnati and they were like all right we're just going to run it down your throat here at the goal line can you stop it and they couldn't stop it they did three times but on fourth down they went right back to it with joe mixon got right into the end zone that was
0: a great cut by mixon on that fourth and goal there um i guess that would have been maybe the third quarter that i'm that i'm thinking of um I thought Bernard Ryman, Eddie, had one of his poorest games as a Colt. And I think Trey Hendrickson's a very good player. And honestly, that Hendrickson roughing the passer penalty was such a dumb penalty that uh, that gave Indy a little bit of life there late first half. But um, I thought Hendrickson kind of imposed his will early on and 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 you really felt that all Gardner I think, kind of felt that all afternoon there. So very poor from the Colts in the
1: trenches. Uh, now, you talked about the offense. You've talked about the defense up front. The defense in, in altogether uh, just mightily struggled. They couldn't stop a screen pass or couldn't contain a screen pass um, if it, their life depended on it yesterday. And it felt like Jake Browning could just throw the ball wherever he wanted in terms of downfield. He had Jamar Chase open a few times. He didn't throw to him because there was a better option open. But all in all, the defense did not play well at in, in, in any regard.
0: And let's start. Right there again. When you look at where you are at from a defensive standpoint, we talked about a lot of pressure on the Colts' cornerback room. A lot of pressure on, um, you know, your ability to slow down what I thought was your toughest wide receiver challenge of the season. Okay, that's going to be difficult. So what does that mean? That means you need your front to step up. That means you need your front to kind of create some havoc around Jake Browning. Uh, no sacks, three quarterback hits. Jake Browning had the highest quarterback rating in Week 14 in the NFL. Eddie, what stands out to me about that is outside of the T. Higgins deep ball that got got behind Darryl Baker Jr., I can't recall many other attempts from Jake Brownie north of about 15 yards. Um, And that goes to the screen game. We talked about it on the Wednesday pod. If you go back on the Monday night game, Cincinnati-Jacksonville, they... Hurt Jacksonville with several screens. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that would be something the Colts would not allow because I think the Colts are pretty instinctual defense. And secondly, the fact that they played on Monday Night Football, all your defenders are watching it. You have the ability to say, all right, we got to make sure that that screen game could be coming. It could be coming with Mixon, it could be coming with Brown. And they hit three screens for over 120 yards. I really felt like the loss of EJ Speed was magnified. Mm-hmm. I know Ronnie Harrison Jr. had the pick six. I think he also had some other plays that were big issues defensively that hurt you. Um, I I just have not seen the same Zaire Franklin since the knee injury. I know he had a big tackle number yesterday and did you know have the big play on Chase Brown in the in, in the backfield, but I just haven't seen that same sort of um, Franklin. And then um, you know screen wise, really on two of the three, I felt like it was one hope. You had one guy, and if mm-hmm. that one guy didn't make the play. You were screwed. And you know, oftentimes with screens, you need kind of three or four in the area because a couple guys are you know going to whiff. Or you know, I, I I thought the Ted Karras play was was a little bit questionable. Uh, Kenny's momentum already might have been kind of sealing or selling out a little bit, but still, uh, there was no one. I mean, if Kenny doesn't make that play, there is absolutely no one.
1: There were more offensive linemen on that side of the field than Colts defensive players. So
0: true, so true. And it's one of those, you know, when you have the over overhead look at it, and we're in the press box, kind of you know midfield level. I mean, I audibly, you know, said to myself, "Oh boy!" Like you know, it's one of those you can just see building, and if the one guy misses it. Um, He's off. And I guess that's where I think you're frustrated in seeing Jake Browning highest passer rating of the week. Eddie, that'd be one thing if he hit, you know, just unbelievable corner routes and posts and he's fitting balls into windows that you couldn't even imagine. Um, But the fact that he had that high passer rating, and yet if you look at his intended yards number, it was pretty dink and dunk. Outside of the Higgins play again, it was pretty dink and dunk there. Um, And I also didn't love at all... The first drive of the third quarter. You know, Eddie, you were there. The vibe of those two teams running off the field at halftime. I felt like the blue-clad Colts fans were going like this: "Hey, we're in it." Mm-hmm. You know, and and the Bengals fans were in a little murmur, a little booing, almost of like, "I can't believe we're freaking tied."
1: And some of them were like, "All blank. Here we go again."
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, the first drive of the third quarter happens. Six-play touchdown drive. Four different Bengals have plays of more than 10 yards on that drive. And now Cincinnati's back in control from there. So uh, I just thought overall the defensive effort, every level of that unit, um, really, really poor.
1: Offensively, I was astonished. We talked about it last week on Monday. That Alec Pierce needs those go ball opportunities. Down the field, it's yeah, he high just risk. just had
0: one attempt, right?
1: High risk, high reward. Yeah, that was in the first half, I think. That was on our side of the field, yeah. right there and right in front of us. And I'm like, and Gardner Minshew just terribly underthrew that ball, just like the Kylan Granson ball in the back, uh, to the pylon. It should have been thrown to the back pylon instead. Um, but the run game is where I think it all starts. Because if you're going to not be able to run the ball effectively for now, what, two, three consecutive weeks with Zach Moss, ever since Taylor has gone down with that thumb injury again, it puts – Gardner are in a very compromised position.
0: Yeah, and you know, there's um there's kind of a category that I that that I dubbed in my postgame, you know, column on it of like pretender mistakes. You know, you get to December and it's okay, are you a legit contender or are you a pretender? And, you know, the Colts had just beaten four opponents that their record, I think, combined, twelve and thirty six. Now you're taking an uptick in competition, and when you have Two missed field goals inside of 40 yards. A fumbled punt. Uh, inexcusable leverage penalty on a 30-some yard field goal attempt. Um, you know, pre-snap penalties, or, or they have eight penalties for the day. That's a pretty high number for the Colts this season. Um, I thought there are a few questionable calls, but still, they, they, they had some pre-snap stuff. You know, I think Ryman had a false start in the red zone, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. You can't get behind the chains with Minshew at at quarterback. Um, It comes back to bite you, but yeah, run game-wise, Eddie, I mean, just, you know, could Taylor have helped a little bit more in the pass game? I do. You know, Moss just wasn't very effective at all. A couple, you know, semi-drops, you would call it, in the pass game, too. Mm -hmm. But I put a lot of this kind of on your trench play in that an inability to establish any sort of lanes for Moss up front. Go back to the stat that I mentioned earlier in the podcast about all the run stuffs and the negative run plays, but also... I just think you're now seeing the lack of respect that defenses have for Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that to me is exactly what it is. Of You have a quarterback right now that defenses do not fear, and they're going to say, load the box, put him behind the chains, and we'll take our chances. Maybe he will complete a deep ball or two to Alec Pierce, but we'll take our chances over the course of the game that he cannot do that, and so I think that's where the root of the Colts' run game issues are right now, and I just don't know where where the quick fix is. I, I, I just don't know where um, all of a sudden with a snap of fingers you are going to see that um, you know, again competition, I think you can make the argument Cincinnati might be the best team you face the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Houston's really banged up, and I still just don't think Houston is super complimentary but granted, I didn't think Cincinnati was either going into yesterday, and they certainly uh,
1: prove that when you go back and watch the all 22 go to that interception drive and on the pass where uh Minshew throws it underneath incomplete to zach moss watch josh downs
0: yeah was that when he was coming on that um
1: in motion and kind of on that wheel route Wide the bleep yeah, open. Yeah. It's a play I want to go back to. Because or Pittman. It was one of those. There were two plays yesterday where Josh Downs and Pittman are both looking back at him. And like And they're, they just put their arms and like, what the hell are you yeah. doing? Like, what are you looking at?
0: One of those two I want to go back because I, I, I didn't think the pass rush might have got there to Minshew. But I just think overall, I, I think listeners of the pod will kind of know where I stand on Minshew. I've just kind of accepted that this is him now. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, the, the Colts have a deficiency at quarterback. The Colts have a quarterback that's not even living up to his backup QB standard that he has set for himself. And I've just kind of said, that's going to be it. How do you overcome it? And now the beautiful thing for the Colts is you're going to face a Pittsburgh team that has got some major issues. They haven't scored over 20 in four straight weeks. Trubisky looked awful on Thursday night football. As we record this, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith are both in concussion protocol. Uh, That is a huge, huge deal when you talk about Saturday's game. But, I mean, the Colts are still very much in the you've got to overcome your quarterback situation right now. Um, so I thought Minshew, you know, I thought he had some decent decision making early on when they moved it a little bit. But to your point, missing Granson. Um, I did think he threw a really nice ball on the fourth and goal to Mo Ali Cox. That was perfect. Like, Ali Cox or no one makes that play. Um,
1: the Zaire package.
0: Yes, the Zaire package in the uh, in the flat there. And I am a little – I mean, you know, we asked Steichen this and asked Minchie this after the game. I thought he got popped pretty good. I was a little shocked he wasn't checked for a concussion oh, there. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, on the scramble. When he
0: scrambled for that first down. It just, it looked awkward. It looked bad. He he definitely wobbled. I know afterwards he's like, no, I didn't. And I was like, I mean, clearly he did. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe they'll do something today on that. Um, but who knows.
1: Uh, one final thing, actually two final things here of note. If I would have told you last Wednesday or whenever leading up to the game, you would hold Jamar Chase to three receptions, 29 yards, and Tyler Boyd would have two receptions for 23 yards. Joe Mixon went average 3.8 yards per carry. You're like, all right, Colts must have won. Nope.
0: They were so balanced. You know, Chase Brown was obviously huge. Oh, yeah. Um, Some of their tight ends involved as well. Um, Yeah, and again, when you don't have a pass rush at all, um, you're going to allow for some high percentage plays like those screens, and they just absolutely take off running down the field. And um, again, to me, this is just a total poor performance, every level uh, or every phase of your game. And you you deserve the 34 to 14 and and 20 nothing in the second half, Eddie. Mm-hmm. With, with all that momentum, I thought building into halftime of like, all right, here you go. Uh, really, outside of Trey, Trey Hendrickson giving you that gift of the roughing the passer penalty. You played good football for about three minutes yesterday. Three of 60.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jake Browning in the second half was 10 of 11, 140 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Um, the second part of those two things I wanted to note or ask you about, what was Shane Steichen's reasoning behind declining the penalty, uh, the the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, I think is what it was.
0: Yeah, was um, it because
1: it occurred so far up the field it wouldn't have
0: so it would have been 2nd and 17. Illegal blindside block, I think, is what the official penalty was. So it would have been 2nd and 17 or 3rd okay. and 7. He elected to go 3rd and 7. He felt like they were in field goal range no matter where they were. And so, you know, at that point, you're eliminating. Touchdown is your hope there. You stop them on the 3rd and 7, then they kick the field goal. I thought you accept the penalty there. You create a 2nd and 17, and... And now you put Jake Browning in a uncomfortable backup quarterback situation. The Colts, to me, Eddie, did not do that enough yesterday. Put Jake Browning in uncomfortable backup QB situations. Second and 17, You, if you're the Bengals, you would like to think that Browning would still be smart in that situation. Check it down, whatever, run it. You know, Make sure you're still in Chase McPherson. Evan. Uh, Evan. I'm thinking of... Chase McLaughlin. Uh, Evan McPherson, field goal range there. But still, second and 17, he's got to do something. If he takes a sack, now you're challenging some of that field goal range there. So I would have accepted it because, again, I thought you were at a point in the game where your offense was not doing enough. And I thought you needed an outside-of-the-box turnover, short field, Big play, similar to the Ronnie Harrison Jr. play, um, so I would have accepted it there. I didn't think it was egregious by Steichen, to be fair, but I thought that was a mistake in just kind of game management. Obviously, for those that are f- forget what happened on that sequence, they get six yards, it sets up a fourth and one, and that was that great cut by Joe Mixon on the fourth and one to convert, and they uh, later scored a touchdown off that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that we've pretty much hammered everything that we did not like, unless you have something else to add here.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, let's just go into what I liked. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kisimta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta and check out the details at kisimta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
1: All the teams surrounding you in the AFC uh, standings <laughs> lost. Jacksonville me, lost. That was a big one.
0: Let me ask you this before we get into, because I literally think the only thing I liked from yesterday, from a Colts standpoint, was that other key AFC teams lost. Michael Pittman Jr. to me was your best player yesterday. 100. Who, who was your second best player?
1: Oh my! It's a really good question. Will Mallory.
0: Will Mallory's five catches for 46 yards, three of them I think on the final drive or the second to final drive of the game, so a lot of mop-up duty catches there. I, like, that's a question, and I don't know the answer. There's 53 dudes, that, mm-hmm. 46 dudes that dress on game day, and I have trouble finding the second best player on your football team from yesterday. Like, that's kind of where you're at. I know Zaire Franklin, big tackle number, but again, outside of the tackle for loss, I just don't recall much... From him. So that's why I say what I liked. Eddie, there's this is the first time all year I've been this kind of shrugging of the shoulders, like I don't know where else that you do go. Um, so in all seriousness, the AFC help. Jacksonville, Cleveland. I was kind of torn on what result you wanted there. I still think Jacksonville. Basically, what you need down the stretch to win the division is you need to go two and two. Jacksonville to go zero oh and four. You go three and one. Jacksonville go zero oh and four or one and three. You go, um, what is it four? I guess if you go four and zero, then Jacksonville would have to be two and two or Like that's all. You still need a lot from Jacksonville, mm-hmm. especially with Lawrence playing and the schedule out after Baltimore really easing up for Jacksonville. Um, now, where you got good help was obviously Pittsburgh losing, going back to Thursday Night Football, yep. uh, which obviously we haven't haven't discussed since. You got help with um, Houston getting just dismantled by the Jets. Obviously, some key injuries in that one. Um, And I feel like there was one more that you got a little bit of help from. I know Denver won. Who else won yesterday? Well, Buffalo won at at Kansas City. Um, But if you look at the AFC right now, and again, I've got a really detailed story up on the website.
1: Raiders lost.
0: Yeah, I guess the Raiders were kind of lurking. Broncos won. Yeah, Broncos did win. Uh, <clears throat> right now, you know, people can can chalk this up to you know that 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 was one loss. Yes and no, it was one loss, but like there's a little bit more to that story than just counting as one L in the standings. It's a conference loss that can matter with some tiebreakers, which we'll get into here in just a second. And then it's another head-to-head tiebreaker loss. So if you look at it right now, Eddie. You have lost your head-to-head tiebreakers versus Jacksonville, versus Mm -hmm. Cleveland, and versus Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. You have it over Baltimore. The issue is Baltimore's probably going to win the AFC North. So that's not really going to matter. So that's where you have an issue right now. Um, And then I just think bigger picture, and this is what the Colts will have to prove here the rest of the way, was Sunday more of an accurate depiction of this football team? Is this kind of water finding its level? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you just take care of cupcakes on your schedule? Now, again, kind of survived maybe the cupcakes on the schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're a Nick Folk extra point away from losing to Tennessee. You know, you easily could have lost a New England game in Germany. Um, That is the question that I think you have. Now, I'll repeat what I said earlier. I I think there's a strong case to make that Cincinnati's the best team you're going to face all year.
1: Additionally, Kenny Moore... Wins you the game in Carolina?
0: Right, right, right. Um, so, that I think is a question now moving forward. But still, I think Pittsburgh's got a lot of warts. We'll get more into that on Wednesday. I think they got a lot of warts. I know there'll still be a lot of terrible towels in the building, but boy, Trubisky looked bad.
1: And they were chanting for Mason Rudolph, right? I know. Right?
0: I know. Yeah.
1: I mean, how bad do you have to be for that? Seriously. Um, some numbers here Zach Moss and the Tennessee in Cincinnati 32 carries, 79 yards. I
0: I will go back to what I said when the Jonathan Taylor injury first occurred. Zach Moss has been a bit of a different running back with Anthony Richardson as a starter versus Gardner Minshew as a starter. I think that is there. And I think you're getting deeper into the season, Eddie. And now the story's kind of there on the Colts. Make Minshew beat you, load the box, try and take away Moss. If you do that, you put more on Minshew's plate. And eventually, you're going to expose him and expose this offense as a whole. And yesterday you, you saw, I mean, Eddie, think, think about it. What, what was the final, 34-14? hmm I mean, really only had seven offensive points. Now, tack on a Matt Gay field goal that, that should have happened. I mean, you really only had 10 points. If you look at Cincinnati this year, their defense has not been good to that extent.
1: Uh, last three games for Josh Downs, 11 catches for 89 yards on 21 targets.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pitman or bust in terms of consistent offensive playmaking.
1: Only a four to get to. Jacob's up first. He wants to know if you agree that the Colts are still a mediocre team. He personally thinks that the fan base forgets that just because we've gotten beaten up over some poor teams this year, we're not a big contender yet. We have no idea if Anthony Richardson can even stay healthy moving forward, and we still have big holes to fill on our team. I personally just get tired of everyone acting like we've got it all figured out when we win a game sorry to rant but I think we shouldn't feel great about where our team is headed until we see if Anthony Richardson can even stay healthy for an entire season thanks
0: Um, you know I I, I think there's some short term and some long term kind of mixed in here Um, you know short term let, let's just talk in 2023 I mean I, I do tend to think the Colts are a pretty average team I mean, record-wise, they're seven and six. You know, Ballard's always been a big believer in point differential tells a, maybe even a truer picture of who you are. I think sure. they're negative in point differential right now. Um, I guess the good news is sometimes average can still get you in the playoffs. I mean, fourteen of thirty-two make it, so that's kind of close to you know fifty percent in the league. Um, I think the eye test would probably say Eddie that they are kind of an average bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch even the quality. Of play. Um, certainly, they've benefited from a schedule standpoint. Um, now, big picture, yes, there is the Richardson injury question that is just impossible to answer right here in early December. But I still think there are some positive elements from the season that I don't really think Jacob looked at. I mean, I, I think that Shane Steichen should give a fan base hope. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's little to debate on that. Um, And again, I think there are some individuals on this football team that you point to and think they've had some nice seasons. You want them to be key pieces moving forward. Um, It's not a total rip-everything-down-to-the-studs sort of rebuild at all. I don't view it in that light. So again, short-term, yeah, average football team, mediocre football team, yeah, that's probably fair. But again, you know, with how the AFC landscape is with this quarterback situation, average or mediocre could still get you in the dance. Yeah. Big picture, yes, a Richardson injury question, is there. It's one that I've certainly acknowledged. Um, I mean, you guys know me. I'm such a believer in you know, how do you create the six to eight years of hope sort of thing for your franchise. Obviously, quarterback health is paramount in that. But from a Shane Steichen point of view, um, I, I think you have to be highly encouraged. And by the way, I, I think people will realize this even if they watch Steichen post game, but he was stunned by yesterday's result. Mm-hmm. I actually caught up with him pregame, and I mean, this dude felt very good. Going into the game, I mean, I, I I got no no impression from him that he was worried about his team's preparation, uh, the challenge, anything like that. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, they just got punched. I mean, hell, they just got punched in the face.
1: Matt would like to know if it was unfair to expect Grover Stewart to play like his old self from earlier in the season before the ex- suspension.
0: You know, I I certainly noticed Grove on that first third and two of the game. I, I was kind of a bit dumbfounded that Cincinnati just ran it right at the middle. Buckner single-teamed. He, he makes the play on that third and two. I think Grover had five tackles, if I saw correctly, Eddie. Um, played kind of the normal amount you would expect from him. I felt like a lot of the big mix in Chase Brown plays were kind of bounced runs to the outside. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of been a theme lately. I think back to the Henry touchdown. Um It seems like the Colts have kind of lost contain a few too many times from a run game standpoint.
1: Who does that fall on?
0: Yeah, I mean, you would think perimeter-oriented people, you know, whether it's a defensive end on the edge. whether I I feel like lately I've noticed the corners more. You know, Baker Jr., Jalen Jones, those guys, you know, playing outside a little bit. Um, And I'll go back again to something I said earlier. I, I really felt like you missed EJ Speed. I know maybe at times EJ's not the incredibly most disciplined player for 99% of the game, but he still makes a lot of plays for you. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like Ronnie Harrison Jr. for 100% of the snaps or whatever it was that can get exposed. I know a lot of people see the pick six, but I think there were some plays early on where he was a he was an issue for you.
1: And even still, that was that was the right place, right time, pick six. Sure, sure, sure. It wasn't like you you know, jumped around or something. Right, 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 right. Uh, just two questions left. Michael would like uh, to clarify something that the Colts ahead of the Cincinnati game, although are both are seven and six, head to head loss because conference record.
0: Yeah, so the playoff tiebreaker scenarios can get really, really confusing. I would encourage everyone to head to our website that is one oh seven five the fan. I've got it pretty detailed in there what the playoff standings look like with four weeks to go and what the tiebreakers are and how those tiebreakers are handled. Basically, in simplest terms, Eddie, it goes like this. You've got six teams at seven and six right now. Mm -hmm. You use conference record to establish the tiebreaker there. Pittsburgh and Andy have the best conference record at five and four. So now you put those two teams together. The next tiebreaker, because they haven't played yet, so there's no head to head, Mm -hmm. would be common games. If you look at the common games between the two teams, Pittsburgh is five and four in those common games. Indy is 5-5, so the better win percentage goes to Pittsburgh in those common games. Now, all of this means nothing come Saturday at 4.30. Because these two teams will play football, and you'll have a head-to-head tiebreaker decided then. Um, Basically, if you're a Colt fan right now, you want the multiple tiebreakers. You want multiple teams involved in tiebreakers is probably how I should better put it. You don't want to get into head-to-heads with Cleveland or Cincinnati. Um, you want as many teams tied with you as possible, because the Colts do have a nice conference record at five and four, whereas not everybody in that seven and six range can say that. Um, and I'll go back to what I said to lead off the pod: this loss, you know, has dropped your playoff odds to you know kind of around a coin flip, probably a little bit less than that. Basically, you are still in control, but a loss on Sunday or a loss to Houston in the final game of the season, and you need gobs of help those are the two games that really really matter because those both of those teams Pittsburgh and Houston are seven and six mm-hmm. um, so you could go you know three and one Eddie you could probably go two and two if you beat Pittsburgh and Houston but if you go three and one and I would say probably the Pittsburgh game well if you go three and one and if you take care of Pittsburgh and Houston you're gonna be in in my opinion. Um, but, you know, Saturday is just – it's as monumental as they come. Yeah. It's a—it's about a 40% shift in playoff odds. And it's not so much that it increases your playoff odds that much. It, it, it would increase it, but it would really, really diminish it if you were to lose that game.
1: Final Twitter question comes from Blopa. Hi, guys. I know the draft is a long way away, but as Colts' chances of a high pick happily fade, I wonder what Indy should do with – their first pick. Ryan Kelly has had personnel situations, uh, personal situations that could put his career in perspective. This added to the concussions that he has suffered. I think a retirement is possible relatively soon for Ryan Kelly. Is it far is it very far fetched to think of a center with the first pick?
0: Yeah, I, I, I... I can't go there. Again, that's not really my approach with kind of building rosters. That, to me, is a little bit too luxury item-y. Um, now, I do think it's important to find kind of a young center for Anthony Richardson and, yep. and just kind of letting those two grow together. But, again, I still think you can find middle-round guys there. Um, and I actually thought you know earlier this year Wesley French did a decent job mm-hmm. uh, when asked to fill in for Ryan Kelly. Uh, again, this is very early, Eddie, but just kind of a rough sketch Uh, If you said, all right, Kevin, first four rounds, positional mock draft, go. In order, one through four, I'd probably go. Edge rush, wide out, corner, then interior line. But I say interior line, and then I'm like, wait, what about a safety? What about maybe even tight end? Linebacker. Linebacker, I don't think is too far away from that. Ballard is drafted so well at linebacker. That's probably a reason why I put that a little bit lower. But, yes, that is one that you know, certainly has kind of crossed my mind there. But that's kind of a rough sketch for me right now as I look ahead to April.
1: Uh, Brock Powers?
0: I like, but, gosh, I, I, I just think it's a little luxury. But I don't know. that one is That one's interesting to me. I really like Brock
1: Bowers. I mean, he's just so freakishly athletic and strong. and
0: He's just a freaking football player. Yeah. He's just, that dude just gets it, plays bigger than he is.
1: Um, I mean, how many teams in college do you see run into rounds yeah, he, with their tight end?
0: He's got some D-A-W-G in him. <laughs> yeah. He's got a little dog in him. Uh, um, Eddie Garrison, anything else to add?
1: Uh, yes. How about Stephon Gilmore last night for Dallas?
0: He is very good at football. Very good at football. Um, Taking the A.J. Brown. um, He
1: called me old at the start of the game, (laughs) so it lit a fire in me. Nice job, A.J. Uh,
0: That is awesome. I I, I love seeing Gilmore do this. Honestly, that was a big reason why I picked Dallas to win the Super Bowl.
1: And then Shaq made his first appearance last night, too. 14 of 82 snaps.
0: Is that right? 14 of 82, I believe, is what I saw. Um, Two tackles for him. So kind of pretty much what we saw here in Indy. But, yeah, we'll see if that evolves at all. I believe they're Monday night next week at Seattle, I want to say. Sounds about right. Coming up next week. I don't think Monday – I don't know. Maybe there's some randomness to Monday night games that could impact the playoff standings, but Tennessee and Miami, they're kind of two ends of the spectrum. So, I don't think a whole lot of change uh, with Monday night or Thursday night coming up. Raiders and Chargers both lost yesterday, so both are – they'd have to run the table and get a ton of help here down the stretch. But we'll be back uh, Wednesday. Again, Colt's going to bump everything up this week. So, if you're used to kind of a, you know, whatever, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday cycle – um, that'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. With that Saturday game, 4:30. It's NFL Network locally, CBS4 will also have your
1: coverage there. He's Eddie
0: Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.